Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a brilliant true crime podcast hosted by two zany sisters, all while baking up delicious treats in their kitchen. Here are your podcast hosts, Karen Devaney and Ann Varner. Welcome to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. I'm Ann Warner. I'm Karen Devaney. And here we are. Here and we're all nervous. We're, they're like, like all oh, flattered. I'm all flat. Like I'm having a fan myself. We're having like the <laughs> most famous guest that we've ever had. Yeah, probably that we ever act. will have. <laughs> yeah, we probably. So nervous. I couldn't sleep last night. <laughs> and this is part one. Part one of two. Part oh my one God. Of two. Um, today our guest is Dr. Kenneth Kinsey. Insane. I don't even know how we managed to score. I don't either. And I'm still pinching myself and I will pinch you too if you want me to. No, I'm good. I don't need any kind of pension. Well, I do need a pension, but I don't need any kind of a pension. Pension. Okay, fine. Thanks for clarifying. Most of us learned about this genius when the Alec Murdoch trial was on. Yes, here in the low country. In the low country, nationwide coverage on that case. And then we stalked him at CrimeCon. We did indeed. Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, two titans of cinematic review. Sometimes right, sometimes wrong, but always captivating. Your host Antonio of the Cult Worthy Cinema Podcast and Justin Henson of The Movie Wire are here to take you back to the balcony. I really don't do reviews, but for me, it's more about like, hey, everyone, these films exist. When we go into Siskel and Ebert, we're not always going to agree with Siskel and Ebert, but, you know, there's some aspects we make. And I think with each episode we're going to do, we're going to understand these guys a lot more than we think we have in all the decades that we've been reading their stuff. The Balcony debuts Tuesday, January 2nd on YouTube and your favorite podcasting platform. Join us. Dr. Kinsey's retired chief deputy from the Orangeburg, South Carolina Sheriff's Office. He graduated from Clemson University with a BS degree in resource management, then went on to get his MS degree in criminal justice from Troy University. And as if that wasn't enough, he went on and got his PhD at Walden University. He is internationally <laughs> certified as a crime scene investigator. That's a big deal. He's That's- also been certified by the South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy as a handgun shotgun and patrol rifle instructor. At one time, he even headed up a SWAT team as the commander. Let's just say he can outsmart you and kill you all at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Kinsey is a forensic expert. He's been qualified as an expert in blood stain pattern examination, crime scene investigation, crime scene reconstruction, fabric impression examination, fingerprint examination, as well as tire tread and footwear examination. So he's going to clean up that scene after he kills you. Yeah. (laughs) Currently. (laughs) Not that he ever would. Exactly. Currently, Dr. Kinsey owns and operates Kenny Kinsey and Associates, offering his expertise in law enforcement administration policy review, civil and criminal case review, consulting, trial preparation, (laughs) and training. I'm... 
not doing well. It's okay. Crime scene examination, impression examination and analysis, blood stain pattern analysis, law enforcement used by force. No, not by, but uh, because he's not going to use anything by force. force. He's going to use a force. Right. He's not coming after the law enforcement. (laughs) Firearms instructor. And he's also a criminal justice lecturer. He has been described as a down-to-earth, modern-day Sherlock Holmes, and we are incredibly lucky to have him. We only had to stalk him one time at CrimeCon, and crazy. he has agreed yes, to come on our show. We couldn't believe it when you agreed. We were so like, it's my punk and Welcome, Dr. Kenzie. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. And I, I just want to correct it. That's formally internationally certified. I don't work enough actual scenes now to keep that up, but I qualified actually Twice I certified with the uh, IEI, and it was my absolute pleasure at CrimeCon. You ladies are so <laughs> down to earth. And I said, right then, for 32 years, I've run from the media. I've run from anyone that ever wanted to do an interview, but it's feeling down home. And I got that down home vibe, and I'm so honored and elated to be here. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. Nice. And you drove here. Like, you drove from your home to our home, and that is—I mean, I can't. Get oh my into god! That. You know, you know those special little friendship mugs that said "You're here and I'm here," and yes. like two little hearts. Yes. We're totally getting those made up. Totally Dr. getting those. We're like Dr. Kinsey, uh, big hearts. <laughs> I was so excited, you know, getting over that. Oh, it, it wasn't COVID and it wasn't the flu. We just had that thing kind of in between during Christmas, and I'm like, I've been taking my vitamins and doing a Hulk Hogan, you know, praying every day, hoping I'll feel better <laughs> so we could make it down here, and we test and made sure everything was safe and and we are just so happy that you brought us into your home to actually oh, do this that's very sweet yeah. you may change your mind by the end of the day but we'll go with that. <laughs> we're gonna go with it right now yeah. what you're saying right now is what we're gonna take as the trip come on ladies don't be a hater now i told you i pray for my haters because they are the ones that are most envious that's but uh, we only have just a couple and Everything has been phenomenal. So much support from people that oh, yeah. we never had the opportunity to meet and, and actually know like I do you ladies now. So it, it's really, really our honor oh, to be here. That's very sweet. That's very nice. In all of that list, was there anything in there about a parks, recreation, and tourism management? That's degree? resource management. That would be resource That's management. That's the resource management. Mm-hmm. I'm most impressed with that degree. Well, you know, they had a couple different uh, <laughs> different. Uh, how do you say it? Different paths you could take under that major. And one of them was travel and tourism. I cannot book you a cruise. (laughs) And I definitely would mess up if I was running a hotel or resort. So (laughs) the resource management part was actually the only thing at Clemson at the time that offered any criminal justice classes. And it it was in relation to park ranger, that kind of thing. So they actually have a major now. But 30 years ago, they didn't have that. So it was the only way I could get a little bit about what I wanted to do. Okay. Here's my question. It's not even a really question. Kind of is. We have a group of eighth grade students at Moultrie Middle School in Mount Pleasant near here. Their second and sixth period forensics class would love to get a shout out from you, first of all. And they would like to have any advice you might have for those that want to pursue a career in crime scene analysis. Absolutely. Shout out to the youngsters. I love them so. Get as much science as you can get. You don't have to have a lot of any, but you have to have a little bit of all. Okay. And that's how I built 
really and truly, that's how I, I lived my scholastic career. You know, I, I, I never was going to be a uh, brain surgeon, was never going to be a medical doctor, even though I was a pre-med student for about six weeks. Oh, and six I, weeks oh yes, the, uh, the chemistry and the biology just killed me because <laughs> it went so, so deep. But uh, a little bit, all you got to have is a little bit. And okay. it's not going to make a lot of sense to you. Uh, I had a teacher, Miss Hay. She's she's left this earth now, but she beat geometry into my head. And I, to be honest, I never got it. I never got it. When you start working in bloodstains and you go to these classes and you're learning how to uh, to to figure out an area of origin and a point of origin, and you're running your strings, it clicks. And you're like, they didn't waste their time. <laughs> I am going to use this. Right. You know? <laughs> so just a little of everything and uh, you should be okay. And if you really, really want to do this career, the world needs you mm -hmm. because the, the young generation now, they, they don't want to do this. And it's definitely a need for it. And I think we have tried to make ourselves too smart. Because the old timers, which I'm quickly becoming one of, the old timers wanted to hold on to that science. So they tried to make it more and more and more difficult in the interest of raising the efficacy level and, and making it a better science. And I really believe what they've done is they've bogged it down. Right. And, you know, that's why I tell people I don't make the evidence. <laughs> I try to make the evidence easy to understand. Right. And I do it or I try to do it in an Andy Griffith kind of way. <laughs> and so far, you know, I've been able to relate with people and yeah. it doesn't really matter what the world thinks about you at the time. I mean, I appreciate people supporting me, but you have to relate to that jury. You you have to pick out those men and women because remember, you don't know where they're from. Right. You don't know their background. You cannot judge them by looking at them. So you have to find another way to relate and, and you do it with your eyes. Right. And when you can lock eyes with them and you can relay that evidence to them in a way that they understand. And I used to say, I dumb it down. No, I'm not dumbing it down. I'm bringing it down to my level. <laughs> and they understand it because they are the real judges. You know, we right. call the gentleman or the lady in the black robe the judge, but really and truly they're the referee. Yeah, that's true. They are not the judge. They're in charge mm -hmm. for all those, uh, your honors out there. They are in charge, <laughs> but they are the referee. Right. And so you have to relate with that jury. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I like to find a smile or someone that will look you in the eyes and not turn their head. Mm -hmm. And I like to keep going back to them. And it shows that you're genuine and it shows that they are genuinely interested. And, you know, you get half of that jury that is relating to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. When they go back there and start slinging plates and cups <laughs> and, and doing their deliberation part, you never know where it's going to go. Right. And, it's very true. But it's important that you, number one, you're accurate. And to those youngsters, again, you got to have that science background, but you don't have to talk uh, uh, like a scientist. Okay. As That's long good. as you've got the, the premise behind it, the rest of it's easy. If you're telling the truth, then you're going to tell it the same way every time. And you can make mistakes and don't be scared to say, I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Or don't be scared to admit when you make a mistake right. because, you know, none of us walk by the water. Right. And, <laughs> you know, if, if it's taught me anything, it's just uh, you are fallible. You know, I, I'm not famous. I'm infamous, <laughs> but I can live with that. And <laughs> just the thousands and thousands of supporters let you know that what you do is appreciated. Right. Good. Yeah, that's very good. So when did you decide that you wanted a career in criminal justice? My whole life. Really? Uh, Yes, ma'am. It was going to be on one side or the other. And like I told, uh, I think it was Miss Chanley or or one of those uh, other wonderful people I've met. I'd have made a real bad hell's angel. Uh, It wouldn't have worked. (laughs) My mama was a police officer. My dad was a police officer. Oh, you're born into it. Oh, yeah. So when you all played cops and robbers, you were always the cop. Always. Yes, ma'am. You know, I couldn't. I'm the one that I couldn't be on death row. Because I have no patience and I'd be like, don't worry about the appeal. Let's just get it done right now. And uh, so I was always the one that when I messed up, I would tell on myself Oh yeah. because okay. I found out it was just, you know, if you mess up, fess up, makes it easier. And I always tried to do the right thing. I mean, I guys, I don't even speed. And that's not trying to make me sound like I walk on water because I do a lot of things that probably you shouldn't do. But uh, I'm always that one that worries. Well, what if I get pulled over? What if I lose points on my license? What if my insurance goes up? I mean, I'm just that worrier. Right. And what's my wife going to (laughs) do? Well, I mean, so I was always that guy. You know, when people got in trouble, they'd come to me. What do you think we should do? Well, I won't lie for you, but I'll help you mitigate this. Mm -hmm. And. That's just how it worked out. And and when I got into the crime scene part of it, like you mentioned earlier, you know, I thought I was going to be the tactical dude. I, I was going to be G.I. Joe kicking down doors. <laughs> and, like you were for a while. Well, I, I, I was and it was it, I was kind of effective at it. But uh, you get to a point where you start aging. And you're like, I don't know if my body will let me kick doors every day or <laughs> ride around in an armored vehicle every day. And I don't want to go to the gym. I'd rather go to the library. And you <laughs> just a, uh, you get awesome. to a point to where you say, where can I advance my career without putting my body through this anymore? Right. I was fortunate in an un- unfortunate situation. Uh, we had a natural death and, and the lady had been in the house for quite a while. And my whole shift went. And everyone, the sheriff pulled up, the high sheriff. Uh, I worked for Sheriff Leroy Ravenel when I retired, which I think is the best sheriff in, in my lifetime in Orangeburg. But this was several sheriffs ago, and he pulled up, and I was the only one that wasn't sick to my stomach. The whole shift was oh, in the yes. azalea bushes. Oh. And I'm like, this is pretty bad, y'all. Yeah, yes. sheriff, this is bad. And he's like, you're going to CSI school. <laughs> And I didn't know what that was. This was before Grissom was on TV. Sure. You know, there are a lot of pioneers did this long before me, but I didn't know them. And it just kind of, it, it graduated from, you know, a three-week internship to fingerprint school to uh, footwear school to tire school, blood spatter school. And yeah. it just kept going. And I was gone from Orangeburg for about six or seven months. Oh, wow. I'd come to sign my timesheet and right. pick up my check. And uh, that was it. I was just fortunate to be in a place where we had a lot of violent crime and I got a lot of experience in a little bit of time. And then going on to SLED was just a wonderful 
endeavor where we worked 46 counties. Uh, I had a, Whoa. you know, we worked, we worked with a partner and it was a two week rotation. You had mm-hmm. one week where you worked scenes and then you had another week where you were back up in case the other team, you know, got uh, bogged down. So uh, your numbers really go up high w- when that happens. And, and, you see some people, some experts on TV, you know, I've worked 22,000 death scenes. All I say is do the math. It's 365 days a year <laughs> and you're 42 years old. So let's figure this part Did you out. you start working when you were 16? Exactly. And you know, some scenes take weeks. Of course. That's not, that is the exception, but some take weeks, but you have a lot that takes several days. Mm-hmm. And you got family time, you got weekends, you got sick time. The math doesn't work. Yeah. And, and I, I truly boots on the grounds was over 800, 850. And, and I've worked, you know, 25 to 30 cents. I testified in Murdoch. So uh, I try to keep an honest number. Uh, I wish I'd have wrote them all down over the years. Yeah. You know, my dad told me keep a journal, oh, right. but you know, that was something dudes didn't do 30 <laughs> years ago. And I mean, so every time diary, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I've worked a in the middle of the night, my wife will say, what are you doing? Who you're texting? I said, me. Oh, and she's like, me. why? I said, case popped in my head. Oh. I remember this one. So now I'm, you know, I'm about a third of my cases. I can name them now and they're on my CV and every couple of days, one will jump in my head and I'll go back and do some research. But, uh, you know, it's just been a wonderful ride, ladies. If, if things came crashing down and and I don't think they will, because I, I have a lot of great attorney friends I've met now and they call me often, uh, prosecutors, sheriffs. But if it just say the phone quit ringing, you know, th- there are a lot of admirable positions out here. Home Depot's honorable. You yeah. know, I, it's okay. I, I've had a wonderful career and had so many people help me. It's just a real big blessing. Like Cody Johnson said, he's country music singer. It's not something you fall into. It's something God gives you. I, yeah. And I think that this career picked you. And, and God really just reached out. You know, I planned on sitting on the porch and <laughs> hunting and fishing and maybe working a case or two. And God says, no, he reaches out and he slaps you with something yeah. hard. Yes, he does. And he says, yeah. no. Don't ever plan. No, God's exactly. going to make you go, what was I thinking? <laughs> and, you know, I've run from a lot of things God says do in my, you know, 50 plus years but I didn't run from this one. I said, no, you're getting kind of to the end and you better do what you're told to do. And I really feel like it's ordained. Yeah. And like I said, with the haters, oh, he said, Jesus, if that's the reason, you know, you dislike me, it's not me. It's what I stand for. And I've tried to give credit, you know, since February and March or whenever the first time I ever got to speak with uh, some a, a member of the media, I've tried to give credit to everyone who brought me along this ride. Sure. Because I was the little spoke on the wheel. It's just I had so many supporters out here that liked what we did and uh, it just worked out that way for me. And history could be different. Right. You know, of course. But it just worked out. I, I never had a plan. I never expected it. Uh, like I said, Sheriff Rabinell, I, I said, look, we got a back door. One of the deputies showed me how to get out the back door. My truck's right over there. Come on. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You're going out that front door. And when I walked out the front door, life changed. Right. And, and it changed for the better. And uh, when I get where I think I'm not effective and I don't want to do it anymore, then I'll quit doing it. Sure. 
I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> well, I, I hope not with wonderful, <laughs> wonderful supporters. It, 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 it's just been, ladies, I just can't tell you uh, how how happy I am. And, and I, I feel undeserving. So when, because there's so many people do what I do and they don't get this kind of publicity. So I, I feel like I have to do the uh, the profession, I, I owe homage to the profession and to all the other men and women out there that wear a badge and a gun. If you mess up, I'm coming after you, but I'm going to support you when you do the right thing. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. really good. Good advice. Really good advice. Okay, my turn. <laughs> this is the first time we've done a podcast. We've actually prepared the night before. Right. Oh That's God. how important like, this is. <laughs> this has been big changes on your behalf. Well, big. So what is the case that most surprised you in your career? Probably Murdoch. Really? Yes, ma'am. I have worked uh, double homicides, triple homicides. I've seen children lined up on the floor, Holly Hill 4, where I was just assisting, but I supervised the crime scene unit. And, you know, Children lined up and shot execution style, and we're parents, and it, it tears you up. Mm. And, you know, they say God will only give you what you can handle, but we didn't get those interviews. We didn't have people, you know, like yourselves, all over, you know, interested in the case. And I knew it wouldn't be the run of the mill double homicide, but I really never expected. Uh, I get real letters. You know, people take their time to write me letters. That's wow. crazy. Uh, had, had had supporters that suffer from cancer that, you know, spent money in an auction to have a 30-minute conversation. Uh, the jurors calling me in and, and thanking me. I'm like, no, no, thank you. Right. Yeah. You had the tough part. My part was easy. This is the most surprising to me. Okay. Uh, I mean, I can, we're spout, spouting off names on the way down here in cases. And I'm like, look, I worked a scene in that neighborhood when we crossed over the uh, the bridge. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, they come back to you when you ride around South Carolina. And sometimes you can't remember the name exactly. But if you see a photograph, I, I remember it instantly because, you know, we started with 35 millimeter. Right. Right. <laughs> I remember the big deal when everybody wanted to go digital. No, 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 we're not doing digital, you know, and now you can't. Nobody's ever going to do digital. Yeah, you can't do anything without it now. But Murdoch really just shocked me because, uh, I mean, a conservative number, I was probably working with two dozen prosecutors and investigators who poured their hearts and soul into this case for a year and a half. Their life stopped. Right. And I came in the last four months and just to see the reception, you know, my wife told me one time she got a little mad at me. She's like, you need to stop that because you did X, Y, and Z. I'm like, right. But they did from A to X. I just did the X, Y, and Z. I think that your, your testimony on that witness stand is definitely probably one of two, the top two reasons that he got convicted. 100%. I think if you were not part of that trial, we may not have seen a conviction. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, Creighton Waters, whew, and he, listen, he's a prize fighter. He is a prize oh fighter. Uh, the, and his whole team, I mean, his sure. entire team were such a joy to work with. And uh, I'm so glad that they have been 
recognized on a national they, stage. They deserve they it. Are, and they deserve me time. Heroes. They deserve me time. Yeah. Uh, I've stayed away from the group, their photographs and that kind of thing because they deserve this. They just are. And, but and, it, then again, you were such an integral piece of that puzzle. I'm telling you, if if you were not part of that puzzle, I don't know that we would have seen a conviction. Well, you I know, know, David and, and Ryan and, and, and so many guys that slid too, that, you know, they really, really, they, they took away time from their families and holidays. And I understand that call schedule. And just because the Murdoch case was going on didn't mean everything else in the low country. Oh, stopped. Right, exactly. It, it was just, it was a once in a lifetime thing. It, I guess it's kind of, I've never had an addiction or, or addiction, to anything real, real bad, but I guess it's kind of like chasing, you know, that chemical, because you're never going to get that high again. Right. Right. And when I got off the stand, ladies, I was I was actually dizzy. My head was spinning. You were on there forever. And I said, just <laughs> oh I said, just get to that back pew. <laughs> Do not look at anyone. And I could see people over there doing Aww. this and thumbs up and like sit down, compose yourself, and then you can smile a day or two later. Creighton come to me and he knelt down and I said, I'm just going to watch and enjoy this thing. And he said, I got to put you back up. Oh no. And for a split second, I said, no, wait a minute. Now I honored my retainer. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't tell him guys, no, No. him and the general and and the team and, you know, just everyone was so gracious and, and so, uh, uplifting, you know. I feel like the I've always been a believer of what should be will be. And I feel like that 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 group of people on the prosecution side, including you and all of the experts that they brought together, I think it's because it was to be. Everybody being together, just all that group of individuals that made up that incredible machine. It it was supposed to be. Well, you know, like I said on the back row, I hadn't worked with them guys in a number of years. They have came they come down to Orangeburg to help us, you mm-hmm. know, because they're an assisting agency. But when you start talking about David and, and, and Ryan and, and Jeff and, and then, you know, Captain Neal, who retired and, and the major. And, and I don't want to miss a name, but it's so many of them guys. And we were sitting on that back pew, especially when my part was done, I thought. And we're just like, yeah, that was that was good. That witness was awesome. Oh, man, did you hear that testimony? And then Dr. Reimer from MUSC, as I said, I I don't know her from a can of paint, Mm -hmm. but the lady put her heart and soul into that. And you you get some, you know, expert witnesses that come in and they they tell theories and and they expand on things. And I'm like, that's not possible. Dr. Reimer was there on her own dime and she came back on her own dime and if I didn't think she got it right, and if I didn't think that jury got it right, I would tell you. Mm-hmm. I don't think they got it right, but I, I really, I reserved my thought. Crime Con was the first time I ever, ever publicly said, I believe the jury got it right. Right. And I've got to support them through any controversy until someone shows me they didn't get it right. Because I, I know the the vibe. No one knows what it feels like on that stand unless you've been there. And, and I know what I felt. And right. genuinely, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good judge of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do respect what they say. If they just, you know, come back with a different verdict, it is what it's it the is. Process. Yes, it's ma'am. The process. We, 
We got the best system in the world. We really do. It, we got problems, but we yeah. have the best Nothing's perfect. system in the world. We we took a, a defendant that is probably safe to say never told the truth in his life. And he gets on the stand and now he expects everyone to believe him. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know. Because of who he was. Right. And part of the uh, defense process is to try and chip away at the integrity of, of those on the stand, and it just didn't work. Mm-mm. It did no. not work because it's, it was not believable. There was so much. Believable. I wanted, I wanted to not have, like, I wanted to wait and hear everything and not have an opinion. But every time I looked at him and his, the way he carried himself, his demeanor, it, I just was like, oh my god, I really think this man did it. I, and then Creighton, oh my gosh, it was literally, it was like knitting a sweater. I had no idea what he was knitting. I couldn't tell what he was knitting. He was weaving through and I was like, I don't know if this is the best guy a couple of times. And then when he, on that last day, when he was doing his closing, when he was doing his wrap up with Alec, it just, he said something and I was like, oh my God, he just proved it. Like, that's it. Was he, it the family annihilator? Yeah. Yeah. He, he he made a sweater. He did it. That was the sweater he was knitting the whole time. The whole time. And we couldn't figure it out because we're looking at it in pieces. You know, right. there's the financial. And I'm like, this financial thing is going on forever. Like, where are we heading with this? This is a murder trial. And I think a lot of people people questioned, like, do we need this much information? But in the end, I'm like, yeah, because that was the whole neckline. Right. Like that was the neck to the sweater. And if you didn't talk about those things, you would have never gotten to the hem of the sweater. No, it was, it was, so you just had, it had to. Now it takes a fashionista <laughs> to, to put it that way, but I agree so much. That's, that's right. That's us. We, we We're just knitting sweaters. We don't know how to knit, but we do wear sweaters. See, I was back there. My, my head was spinning. I was back there too going, Lord. And, and yeah. you know, I, uh, I had about four suits at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally told Miss Carly, uh, Creighton's legal assistant, she was, she was wonderful. I said, look, they said, you're going to get up tomorrow. Well, that day came and went. Mm-hmm. You're going to get on the stand tomorrow. And that day came and went. I said, look, if I don't get up tomorrow, you got to take me shopping. <laughs> Cause I have a rule that I do not wear the same suit yeah. twice in a week. Yeah. So something got to happen. Right. And, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, uh, but you, I was back there going, Creighton, what, what are you, what are you saying? Oh, yeah. What are you, what are you trying to say? And I was in all these meetings or most of them, mm-hmm. but some of the stuff went way over my head yeah. if it didn't apply to me. And then when they get to something, I'd be like, well, no, this is here, 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 here. And they're, they looking at me like, like a cow looking at a new gate and I'm trying to uh, explain to them, you know, what this, what this means. And, uh, you know, then when I did my report and then the defense didn't want anyone to read my report. Well, there's a red flag. In my opinion, in my opinion, though, my report did not hurt them. I just said, I can't agree with the original expert. I didn't say he's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. I said, this appears to be such and such. But I can't agree with that because of the process. You can't decide what peanut butter your family likes with five spoonfuls. Right. Right. When you test five samples, that's not scientific. And I just can't agree with it. And uh, I tried to do my own research and I, I went and did my own examination and, and, and the piece of evidence. And y'all know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. That piece of evidence was just totally destroyed. And I come back and and 
I wrote my report. You don't want anyone to see it. So you attach it to a motion and send it out worldwide. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah. Does it? I, I was a little taken aback. And then when uh, David Owen's mother passed and, oh, and we all knew it. Yeah. And, you know, then they attacked him on the stand. Let me tell you that that kid, I call him kid because he's 10 years younger than me, but <laughs> he's got more integrity than most. And you take his words and twist them. Mm. None of us believe for one second that if you lie to the state grand jury, there's not going to be someone waiting there with handcuffs for you when you step off the stand. And that's the defense part I don't agree with. You can attack the science, but don't attack my integrity. Right. Because really and truly, nothing Kenny Kinsey did proved or disproved that Alec Murdoch committed that crime. What I did was disprove some crazy theories from some high-dollar experts. Yeah, those 12-year-old um, snipers. The youths. The youths. <laughs> you know, the general told me, he said, if you can work that in, he said, I'll give you a gift certificate, but I, I just, I couldn't do it uh, because it was so unbelievable that the Little five foot two gray men. Yes. Yes. Not five eight. Not five eight. Not four foot. uh, Five Five two. two. Maybe five four. Yeah. And I'm like 12 year old snipers. Right. And these experts, I'm not bashing them. I'm not bashing the experts. They all have resumes from, you know, to stretch a mile long. I believe it's just the pressure that was placed on them by the defense to just take it. It just took it a little bit too yeah. far. It makes you the, it does make you question their integrity. It, it does. And that's what I said when someone said, can you prove it wasn't two shooters? I said, I can't include it or exclude it. Exactly. It's not provable. But I'll throw out the totality of it and let the jury decide. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it come to me when I was on the stand the first time and I went up and measured it during a break. The stand was eight inches high and I'm 5'10". So when I did the recreation with the general, I said, look, I'm 5'10", and I'm at this angle, you know, and now I'm at 6'6", and I'm still at the same angle. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what resonated with the jury. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, they can see it. They and it's just see the it. truth. It's not smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. You know, I can hold it here and shoot someone in the leg, or I can step back and stand up and still get the same angle. Yeah, right. And we spent two hours, close to two hours. But talking. never do you hold it down here by your hip. Oh, <laughs> right. Or take a knee. Yeah, take or, a knee when he's praying and shooting. Right. Like, what's happening? And, and, you know, we talked about a a bullet hole in a piece of weathered cardboard mm-hmm. for an hour. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it didn't mean anything. But you're trying to make those jurors' heads spin. Right. It's, it's just, like I said, you can be wrong. But if you're wrong, you're just wrong because you made a mistake. Don't be wrong because of the zeros right. on the paycheck. Exactly. Right. Or arrogant. Yeah, yes, ma'am. So exactly. is there a case that haunts you that that just that was really hard or that you didn't have some cold cases uh in Orangeburg? And of course you never got an outcome for yeah. the ones, you know, at SLED, because right. if they weren't solved, you just never heard anything from it again. But uh had a couple cold cases uh in Orangeburg, uh Dontre Edwards, which was a, a young uh young man who was found uh executed on a dirt road and uh come real, real close to being able to solve it. It kept 
crashing and burning. And then there was uh, Sandra Gale Lee, who was uh, murdered and uh, almost decapitated uh, in a case. And we were real, real close to that. But uh, a guy by the name of Charles Schuler, Charlie Schuler, killed his girlfriend, his girlfriend's mother, his girlfriend's daughter, and actually shot at her son the same time this other scene was going on, about 11 miles apart. At that time, you know, you had limited resources and just a handful of detectives, and one got solved, one didn't. Right. And, uh, you know, it's little ones like that. And if I think long enough, I could probably think two or three dozen like Mm -hmm. that. But most had an outcome. And then you've got the ones, you know, who who choose uh, self-harm or the industrial accidents, you know, that we also had to work. And then the unknowns. People, you know, you get older and you don't have any family or friends close by and you're found, you know, a month, two months later. And sometimes it's just an unknown. Those bother you. But the children mm-hmm. are probably the worst. But I was really, really fortunate. I only had probably a dozen okay. child deaths that wasn't attributed to SIDS or, or something of that effect. So uh, the child deaths were always different, but at autopsy, there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't any playing around. It was really, really reverent. Uh, the pathologist, it was just totally different because you have to have a release when you're dealing with death and dying constantly. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, you joke around a little bit when the cameras aren't playing. That's, that's not disrespect. That's just a coping mechanism, right. but there's none of that. When a child or an infant, you know, has an autopsy or when you perform an autopsy, there's none of that. It's a total different uh, vibe in in the autopsy suite. And, uh, you know, that that makes it a little bit easier to deal with, I guess. Probably. So it's my turn. I know. I'm so like, I'm so hanging on every right, word I that know. he says that I forget I'm in this. Yeah, this is like our I'm podcast. Forgetting the I'm forgetting that I'm driving. I can't. I mean, everyone drives us everywhere we go. Yeah, I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, so you talked about the jury and, and dealing with the jury and locking eyes with the jury and trying to silently build a rapport with them. So have you ever experienced a checked out jury? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I have testified four times in the last four months and, uh, three of them, my testimony didn't mean, uh, exoneration or conviction. It was basic crime scene, violent mm-hmm. crime cases. And the fourth one, uh, actually was a video case. It was a big shootout on video. And just, this is just my opinion. The, uh, defendant was less than a good dude. And, uh, he was charged with murder in a big shootout at a huge convenience store. I'm talking just dozens and dozens and dozens of shell casings, six or more people shooting back and forth. Yes. I hadn't done a lot of video work. You know, you always wish there was a crime on video to make <laughs> it easier. But I had it on video from several different angles and playing it at slow motion. The video was actually so uh, antique that you didn't see a lot. A friend of mine and myself were trying to review the uh, video because I always do a technical review if possible because I can make a mistake. I want someone to do a review of my work just to be sure. And we figured out a way to play it frame by frame. And the victim, the guy that expired, actually shot the defendant. He backed up and I showed all this to the jury, played it frame by frame, 20 frames per second. You see the gun seven or eight times. You see him shoot the defendant. The defendant tried to shoot back. 
That's what I said. He, he I'm not saying this is a, a saint, but physically, when the victim turned and ran away, there's no way the defendant can shoot him in this side of the chest, right. sever his spine. Oh gosh! And, and call ultimately cause his death. Mm-hmm. And I showed that to him, and, and I said. I could look at the shock, panic, and denial on the solicitor's face when I did this. I could tell. I thought they were messing with us. I can tell they really didn't know how to play it frame by frame. Oh, gosh. And I said, well, this system that I've worked in for 30-plus years, they're going to do the right thing. They're going to go back and amend the charges. Like I said, I never said this guy wasn't guilty of something. Right. Uh, I don't get to say that part. Right. (laughs) And, uh... They didn't. They they tried to discredit me, and ultimately it worked. Uh, they convicted oh, him. No, they, are you the, kidding? No, ma'am. The guy went to prison. Now he's going to have one heck of an appeal. Yeah. Because three days later, it hit the news that the FBI told the solicitor six months prior the same thing I told them. Oh, and they still no. went forward. They didn't share the information with the defense attorney. Oh, um, no. They had, the FBI evidently had informants in the crowd. I found people shooting back toward the victim that no one could actually see on video. And, I mean, this is no doubt. You see the weapon. Mm-hmm. You can see the muzzle. Not the flash. You can see the powder in several of them. You know, you got a clear gun, clear gun, clear gun, foggy gun. Well, that's the powder. The video isn't fast enough right. to pick up the flash. I was really bombed. I was way more bombed uh, about that guy going to jail for murder. And I could tell the uh, foreman of the jury was, you know, 20 years my senior. I could tell. And he just was having no part of it. I mean, they they uh, I think he was the foreman. You don't really know. But he's the one that was shaking his head and Mm -hmm. looking at everyone else. And you think that they're going to do the right thing and stand up and say, wait a minute, y'all, we want to amend some charges or start this thing over or whatever. And they didn't. And that's the only time in my career ever, and I'll never do it again. I walked out going, this is going to be a not guilty. Oh, wow. And when I got the phone call two days later, I was absolutely devastated. Right. Uh, now, like I said, he needs to be in jail for something, probably. Sure, absolutely. And I believe he's got a real good path to an appeal. Right. But I never talked to the FBI. And if we said the same thing or close to the same thing, then I believe that adds some credibility to it. And I just feel like the system, you know, let that yeah, it just makes you wonder there. if the jury just didn't see a bad guy and they thought they to put him in jail. Yes, ma'am. They saw uh, they saw one guy doing a shooting who is no longer with us and another guy who was shooting back. And they said, look, we'll get rid of two bad guys. Sure. And I truly believe that's the frustration that those jurors had. And look, I'm I'm not going to question them because it's their job. And, and it's the process. And maybe something happened in that week that I didn't hear that, yeah. you know, makes. But but it was true. I, I mean, I never say this is absolutely true. I can show you this is true. And they collected one gun, the oh. one on the dead guy. Oh, oh. And all these shell casings, all these videos showing people shooting. What? And they only got one gun? Yes, ma'am. When he finally collapsed, which was immediate, he dropped the weapon, and that's the only one the police collected. Wow. That was it. And the other one was through and through, so they never could match it to a gun if they had another gun. Yeah. And uh, it was put a lot of time in it. The defense attorney is a real good guy, and, uh, you know, we believed in the case, and he didn't— 
They didn't do a self-defense, defense, because that admits I shot him and yeah. we knew he didn't shoot him. Yeah. And that one just didn't work. And it it uh it, it's it's like that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That's unfortunate. So how do you prepare yourself to be an expert witness? Do you have some superstitions? <laughs> do you like is there a method to the madness? This has been Sugar Coated Murder Podcast, a deliciously entertaining true crime podcast. Like what you heard? You can always explore past episodes by visiting sugarcoatedpod.com. Don't forget to like our Facebook fan page and share with friends. Thanks for listening to Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.